Hey, Megan. Hey, Jen. You know how it is going to be um, International Women's Day? Mm-hmm. I want to say that I love being a woman. I'm just going to say that right off the bat. I love being a woman. I love women. And I think the only time I really wished that I was not female was when I was like four or five. Oh, no, no. Wait, I was in grade one, six. I went yeah. through this like phase of like one, like I kept peeing on the toilet, standing up, like sort of straddling the toilet, standing and trying to aim into the toilet. Okay. And my mom was pretty insistent that I stop doing that. I don't know why. It wasn't a gender thing. It was just, I was just getting pee all over. Pee all over the floor. Yeah, she's just like, you she do goes, you, but keep it clean, Jen. Exactly. Or Jack, whatever you want to be. <laughs> exactly. She's like, look, Jack. <laughs> Some boys pee sitting down. So if you can't get this sorted out today, the stand-up pee has to come to an end yeah. yeah I don't think I've ever like wanted to be a guy where I go I'm sick of being a woman I wish that I mean you know the usual I wish that we were treating this oh sorry e- equal. yeah well my girlfriend and I um we made like a list of all the things that we would do if we were stuck in a man's body for like 24 hours mm-hmm. yeah it, it got pretty interesting you're just gonna leave it at that well basically we're gonna be man whores oh okay yeah yeah i would just be i guess excited to pee standing up. pee standing up it's a lifelong dream i don't know if i've told you about this but ever since i was six years i think i'd like to um pleasure myself as a man just because it seems like it looks so easy yeah and also, um, like we talked about, like going to a club and trying to dirty dance and then having the the how you have to conceal your boner. Why would you want to be in that situation? Just to know what we do to guys, basically, <laughs> to know how we torture <laughs> the other gender. But, <laughs> I mean, aside from all the sex and blowjobs and oh, masturbation. Oh, that too. Yeah, I'd like to know what that feels like. Yeah. Like, I got to know what they're going on and on about. Yeah. And then in turn, have them stuck in a woman's body for a few days. Like, give them a few days because there's no way that they'll be able to satisfy themselves in 24 hours. I say we make them be a woman, um, like, on the heaviest day of their period. And then for a couple more days after that. Yes. Because you're usually the horniest (laughs) when you're on your period. So, yeah, let them figure that one out. I feel like I derailed this topic pretty badly. And you were about to say that you've never actually wanted to be a man and that you have, like, the typical complaints about being a woman, but not to the point where you'd want to be a dude. No. You know, just the, like, going to a party and the first question that anybody will ask is, do you have kids? Why don't you have kids? When are you going to have kids? But yet Jesse can go into a party and it's, those are not questions that are brought up. I mean, aside from the, when are you guys getting engaged? You get engaged. When are you guys getting married? You get married. When are you guys going to get a house, get the house? You know, it's like, it's never. Like your to-do list is never complete as a woman. No, 
And I've had someone tell me that, that I could not consider myself a real woman unless I had children. Wow, that's a real asshole thing to say, especially because um, one, no, and then two, also there's plenty of women who can't have children who want them as well. So does that mean that they want to be real women, but they're failing? Yeah, exactly. Well, for the longest time, I would be like polite and say, oh, it's just not what we want, blah, blah. And then finally, I was just getting sick of it. And I just told them my husband had testicular cancer. And... I know that's not right. Like, I know I should stand up and just tell them, like, it's none of your fucking business. But it's just the satisfaction of seeing them feel so awkward and how they're starting to backtrack. Like, how am I going to get out of this conversation is, like, it satisfies me. Have you ever wanted kids? Uh, It's funny. Growing up, I always thought I was going to be a mom. And I remember my best friend, Leanne, in elementary school, she never wanted kids. And I thought that was the weirdest thing. I was like, but that's what we do. Like, what do you mean you're not, you're going to grow up and you're, you're not going to have any babies? And now she has a kid, but I don't have any kids. <laughs> but no, like Jesse and I talk about having kids. And it was just, you know, we're not ready Let's see about it. And then we watched our godson for the first time over a weekend when he was four months <laughs> and he was sick. Oh, God. So that kind of just put things into perspective. And we're like, no, we like our schedule. <laughs> 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 we like that we can drop the dogs off easily at my mom's for like two weeks and not care. We like that we can go out and if we come home at three in the morning, they're just like super excited to see us, even if there's poo and pee in the house, but. And then you can be like, Hey guys, go back to bed now. And they do. Yeah. I, when I was really young, uh, I guess shortly after I wanted to be a boy, um, I then took, did like a, uh, like a 180. Like I just became extremely focused on my <laughs> maternal instincts <laughs> or I was just a super lonely kid I I it's not that I didn't have friends I I was like a popular kid but I really have my entire life lived mostly on fantasy island like in my own bubble so it was a weird kind of lonely place because it's not really a place I could bring my friends and also they were interrupting like me concentrating on my fantasies and stuff like that. I'm just still like that like I'm not gonna pretend that that was a childhood thing only but um but I used to walk home from school with my imagined I was in grade one or two and I'd walk home from school like fake holding hands with my imaginary daughter like I would just have like a daughter and then when I was a bit older like nine ten I decided I was going to have six kids for sure. I was having three girls and three boys. I named them all. I used to draw pictures of them all the time. Oh my God, that's so adorable. Do you still and have I, these pictures or like your mom have these pictures still? I might. I'll, I'll have a look around one day. See, I have some old diaries from when I was quite young. So, And then the interesting thing is I never really drew like my husband. Okay. I think I knew I would marry a man in my head. Like I was quite convinced that that's how it was going to work, but he wasn't part of the picture. Like the point of the whole fantasy was me 
and my litter of children. Okay. <laughs> and then when I got older, I saw the witches of Eastwick. Oh, such a good movie. And you know, the I love that movie so much. And then, you know, the one which has, um, why can't I remember? Oh, Michelle Pfeiffer, right? I think so. Has like all the daughter, like the pile of kids. And I was like, that, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. That's going to be me. Witchy mother. Witchy Perfect. mother with a pile of girls. And I actually then did end up getting pregnant pretty young, like at 20 years old and having three daughters, as you know. And I remember one day a neighbor came up to me and he said, you know, uh, everyone in the neighborhood calls your daughters, your little ducklings. Cause you're like the mama. And then there's the next, like the three different size, little ducks <laughs> that follow me down the street everywhere. And, and he was like, sorry, was that in, hurt your feelings? I was like, it's no, it's like all I've ever wanted in life. <laughs> like I am not offended at all. Thank you. You just confirmed for me that I have realized my lifelong dream. So thank you so much. And the thing is, I love being a mom so much. I loved being a mom to little kids. Sometimes I get emotional thinking about how if I could have any time of like my entire life that I've lived right now for 50 years, if I could have any of that time back to live right this minute, I would want to be like a mom in her early 30s with her three little ducklings. Like it's my favorite part of my entire life <laughs> that having been said I would never recommend parenthood to anyone <laughs> I know that, but I feel like you know when they say like you don't know what you're missing that's cool like that is a good thing because the other thing that comes with being a parent and now we're going to get lots of hate mail from all 8,000 of our listeners or 90 million I mean well only 8,000 out of the 90 million will send us hate mail over this. Yeah, well, that's what I meant. Exactly. Okay, perfect. Breeders. Um, <laughs> fornicators. First of all, what a, how freaking annoying. You know, they're like, oh, when they're 18, it's over. No, it's not. It's not over. And not in the funny, cute TV way of like, oh, you need to lend your kids money or give them money or buy them shit or whatever. Of course, occasionally you lend your kids money and if your kids are nice, they'll lend you money sometimes too, but that's not the thing. The, the issue is you have to worry about these freaking humans from the minute that they can leave the house and go be around other humans without you there, you have to worry about them. It's exhausting. I hate it. I still, my kids are in their twenties. One of them's almost 30. Is she 30? She's almost 30 holy crap it's not cute and it's not fun I know I just think of like all the things that I put my parents through like even just like well recently like before I was with Jesse so probably 16 years ago I had a really bad breakup and breakdown and I was in Montreal and I called my dad and he got in his truck and drove all the way to Montreal and he didn't know if he'd make it because he was scared to stop and get gas. And he was just worried that he wouldn't make it to me on time. But then, so I know, I was just like, oh, dad. So he like drove with it, like touching like the red, like the needles touching the red to empty. But he was too scared to pull over and get gas because he was worried that much about me. 
See, he would rather have gotten to you and had no way to get you back home. Yeah. <laughs> than to yeah. have gotten to you late. It's agonizing. It's yeah. it's agonizing. But the part that really fascinates me is that anyone even has a freaking opinion about it. Like I really don't get it. So I had my kids in the 90s, early 90s. And if if I had a chance now, like let's say I'm 30 years old now and I have a partner who wants to have kids, like personally, I would not bring any more people into this fucked up world. If I had any concept at the time that I was pregnant of what I was about to put these three humans through, I never would have done that. That that's just insane. Um, no judgment to anyone who does have kids. That's just my point of view. Please redirect your hate mail somewhere else. (laughs) Please don't at me, but that is the exact point. The point is I just don't understand why people do have an opinion about whether or not, not just whether or not people should have kids, but if they should even want kids. And I remember when my kids were young, I lived in Vancouver and it was very different than in Montreal. When I first moved to Montreal, people were like, oh, you're such a, it's so European here. So like, with you know, there'd be like for the Portuguese and the Italians and stuff going like, oh, such a beautiful family. When are you having a boy? Like they were, you know. You carry on the name. <laughs> but in Vancouver, it was like, oh my God, you have three kids. Like, and um. I remember one friend saying like, you know, Jen, I just think it's really irresponsible of you to have all these kids. And I don't know why you would do that on purpose. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I I have food in their bellies and a roof on their head. Like, how am I being irresponsible? And he was like, the world is already overpopulated. And there's so many idiots and like, you know, I don't know, like, narrow-minded rednecks and psychopaths and whatever like the world is just overflowing with all these morons and like why would you just put more humans on the planet and I was like well because all those rednecks and psychopaths are going to keep having kids so I decided it's my job to like try and outnumber them so I'm just going to have as many cool smart people (laughs) (laughs) to try and like balance it out a little bit but that was the first time that I was just like, first of all, he's like, he was like a 35 year old single childless man who had an opinion about whether or not I should have had children. And even like he, can, he can say that to himself saying, I'm not bringing a kid in because I'm going to do the world a favor, but you don't just throw that at someone else. It's just weird. It's like, how does this affect you though? I just, that's what I don't understand. Like the, the woman who felt that you weren't a real woman, like, okay, well, let's pretend in your fucked up world that that's true. How does me not being a real woman change your day? Like, how does this affect you? Yeah. Like that my know. kid won't breed with your trash ass kid. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> Trying to bring royal blood into your trash family, eh? <laughs> God, you should have said that. Oh my God. Well, I'm prepared for the next party I go to. <laughs> Please, if somebody ever. <laughs> I remember once we went to one of Jesse's friends' parties and he went to French school. So it was like, I, I cling to him at French parties because I'm just, number one, I have anxiety. Number two, I'm just, I, I don't like it when people are like, oh my God, your accent is so adorable. Cause then I just shut down even more. And then my anxiety goes up even higher. And everybody from his high school have kids and they're all running around and, he's, and they're like, aren't you sad that you don't have kids? And Jesse took, <laughs> he took out like his wallet and had like, or his paper, um, what do you call it? Money clip. And it had like a wad of cash. And he's like, oh yeah, 
but but we make it and he just starts dabbing his his cheeks out <laughs> trying to wipe up his fake tears he's like we get through it <laughs> that's pretty good yeah well so there's the part where i don't even i don't understand why people give a shit if other people have children or not I, that is completely beyond me and then on top of it I really don't understand why people, other people get to decide like what being a real woman even is mm-hmm. like how, I, I don't know, like that woman, like, can I see your, are you certified? Are you a certified woman? And that's what like, and right? I, and I see your papers or like what? Yeah. And then it's, yeah. It's like, but did you give birth C-section because is C-section, you know, does that mean that you're only half a woman because you didn't really do it old school? Mm-hmm. And did you breastfeed? Because mm, you couldn't yes. make milk. Then are you still like, what if? How how much of a woman are you if yeah. you get pregnant naturally with no effort, give birth, and then breastfeed your army of children? Like compared to if you like, what about what if you got pregnant through in vitro, had a cesarean, and couldn't breastfeed? Not saying that those things all go together, but let's just say yeah. hypothetically, you did technically serve yep. a full pregnancy and give birth exactly or a trans woman yeah a trans woman that adopts that can't yeah she's me. a mom but she's not a woman like how does this work exactly? yeah exactly no. no people are trash but another thing that stopped me from wanting to have kids was my mental health how my grandmother was bipolar my dad has anxiety and depression and i have bipolar anxiety and depression it doesn't make me want to bring someone else into this earth and have them suffer the way that I do. And a lot of people feel that way, whether they have medical issues or psychiatric issues, mental health issues, or, I mean, there's so many reasons to not have kids aside from just like not feeling like it, which is yeah. a totally valid reason. You're like, actually, yeah. no, I, I, I like the amount of stress I have in my life right now. That's the perfect amount. I don't need more. Yeah. And I don't feel, oh, people say like, it's the most loved you'll ever feel like, okay, well. I remember one time, like, I'm trying to think. My nephew's seven, eight. So it was probably around then. And I remember crying in the shower and Jesse came in and he was like, what's wrong? And I said, if only I had a kid, your mom would like me. And he's like, that's not how it works. And then I said, who are we going to leave the farm to? And then I just started spiraling. And I was like, all these things that I've collected and family photo albums. So what Jesse did was turn our um, imaginary children into complete assholes. So <laughs> they sell the farm. Said, <laughs> yes. So we get put into a home. They're not letting us live at home with them. Um, they sell the farm, put all my photo albums that I've collected over the years from the family generations, they get sold in a lawn sale and they don't come and visit us at the fucking home. And I was like, what did we do wrong as imaginary parents to deserve these fucking douchebags? <laughs> like I, I just get so upset at these kids that don't exist that are out to ruin my life. Like I brought you into this imaginary world. But yet I can't take them out of this imaginary one. But imagine, see, Megan, then you'd be in the shower crying. What did we do wrong? Why are our kids such assholes? But you would have way less money. Yeah. 
And you'd worry way more and have way worse anxiety because these little shits make you worry all the time. Yeah. So I have my imaginary ones and whatever I'm writing. Well, they sound them out of my imaginary world. Your imaginary could sound like a handful. I don't think you, I don't think you should add real ones to that pile anyway. Just <laughs> What's uh, the, because uh, it just made me think, what is like the best threat that your mom made to you? Like, what is the typical mom? Like, I remember my mom like joking, you know, like I, I brought you into this world. I can definitely take you back out. Do as I say, mom, don't do as I do. I feel like my mom might've said that. She didn't really... I feel like I threatened my mom more than she threatened me. <laughs> Not in a violent way, like in a, like in a emotional self-harmy way. Like I used to refuse to eat dessert. What? Yeah. Like they would be like mad at me for something and I, or not letting me do what I wanted to do. And I'd be like, oh yeah, well then I'm not going to eat dessert tonight. And my mom would be like, ow, ow, it hurts so much. Please don't torture us like this. We're begging you. Please eat your dessert. Like, what does she want, this kid? But like, <laughs> like in my mind. Oh, boy, Jen. Yeah. So that hasn't changed. Uh, threats? Did she ever threaten? Or just like good mom, like, says. Oh, this is not a good This is, this is my, okay. So before I had sex. I asked my mom how old she was when she lost her virginity. Okay. Like, I thought we were having a moment. We were finally going to be real and open up. It was the first really personal, like, she never talked to me about my period or anything. Like, when I got my period, she was like, there's pads in the cupboard. You're going to have to go buy your own, though the pharmacy sells them. Like, that was our conversation. I was mortified. She never talked to me about shaving. Like I just used to steal her razor and shave my legs. Like she never, and then she told me, I know you're using it. You're not allowed. And she hid it from me, but she never talked to me about like body image or what, you know, there, there's no real. So anyways, finally one day I was like, I'm going to just really have a real conversation with her. And I was like, mom, how old were you when you lost your virginity? Like I'm shaking. I was trembling. I couldn't believe I was asking her this. That you got the nerve up. Yeah, I was being so vulnerable to her. And she looked me in the eye and said, I didn't lose it. I know exactly where it is. <laughs> and then she left my room. Oh. That was our talk. Oh, and then my dad my dad said that we were test tube babies because he's pure as the driven snow. <laughs> and I believe him. My dad would never lie to me. <laughs> my dad my dad my mom did try to my mom did try to fix that like years later she told like it was an hour-long story about how you have like a precious jewel and you should protect it for your life until you meet like your prince charming and then you're gonna give it to them and if you give it to anyone else first you're gonna regret it because you can only give it away one time and blah 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 huge story it probably took her 45 minutes she was probably trembling like she finally got up the nerve to actually address this thing I'd asked her about like years earlier and I just sat there and listened to the whole thing and then she left my room feeling like she'd done her job as a mom but I had already been having sex for two years at that point so I was just like I thought you were gonna say and then I broke the news to her that I was pregnant <laughs> that would have been so good jewel you have to be careful blah 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 um so this might not be the best time but hey what the hell <laughs> speaking of my precious jewel how do you feel about being a grandmother <laughs> no but you know what's weird is that when i was pregnant with my first daughter i was 20 
and my boyfriend and I went to visit them in Seattle and they were going through like a really intense religious kick at the time. And they said we had to sleep in separate rooms because we weren't married. And I was like, or, or what I'll get. I was like nine months pregnant. I was just like, what do you think is going to happen? Like, and I was so like, incensed that I was like, we're leaving. And my boyfriend was like, it doesn't, who cares where we sleep? I'll sleep on the couch, go sleep in the, you know, I was like, no, like, I'm not, I can't, I'm, I'm actually embarrassed looking back at how like, in just self-righteous I was, we went and stayed at a motel six. It was disgusting. Like, but I was <laughs> but you're like on a double bed. You're not comfortable. <laughs> exactly. You're like, geez, I wish I had the bed to myself. <laughs> like it smells like murderer in here. But like, yeah, it was funny. There's so um, many things I'd like to look back at, at moments like that where I'm like, where I felt like I was being almost like an activist, you know, and then <laughs> I look back and I'm like, what? No, Jen, that that was hilarious. And no. No but points were made. Why is it put on the girls about virginity? This whole flower, this, this whole special jewel, this whole like, don't fuck it up. And basically, yeah. don't boys just get, don't get anyone pregnant? What about their special jewel? <laughs> that they can only give to one person. Yeah. Their princess, their sleeping princess. beauty. Or yeah. no, I guess that's date rape, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't, I, I wish I understood where, where these things came from. I mean, it's not that guys, guys have a whole messed up list of their own of like expectations that are put on mm -hmm. them for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, provide for your family, be strong, don't cry. Yeah. I don't know if there's any other ones. Are there? Get a driver's license. I don't. Grow a beard. <laughs> I just feel like, and I could be wrong and I'm totally, you can, you can all at me about this, but like, I feel like as unfair as some of the expectations are on men growing up on boys, I just feel like they're, but they're more attainable. Like the expectations that are put on us, some of them are just not even like you said, like, like we were saying earlier, like, what about women who can't have kids? Like they just failed as a person. Women who can't get married. How come men who don't find a wife are bachelors? Silver foxes. And women who can't find a husband are like spinster. Old maids. Yeah. And have yeah. no value. Like it's weird. Yeah. It's like we have an expiry date of some sort. We definitely, my, I, I expired like when 15 years ago it's weird i mean well, i can technically still have babies but like you I'm have three not... more to go to make it to your litter <laughs> i do have a dream to fulfill for my own but self. can you just not be so irresponsible and bring in more children into this world there's enough hicks and what was the other thing psychopaths i'm just trying to be a real woman megan I'm true. trying to be a real woman. A real woman. So the interesting thing is, despite my, um, you know, desire to, I think even in the drawings with me and my millions of children, I had a wedding dress on and it was uh, that I definitely have a picture of me in my wedding dress that I drew. I'll try and dig it up. It was a, like a princess cut. Like it was a very, with a poofy 80s. Oh, of course. 
shoulders and like cinched in and like cleavage and whatever giant princess poofy skirt yes and um, kit, uh, like lace glove like a lace uh, glove but it was yeah. the elastic around the middle finger or something like that oh yes yeah um but as i said there was no no man in the picture and i never looked up to any housewifey like that was never a desirable a goal like I didn't ever be like oh I want to be a wife and like even in my mind I was going to be a Hollywood movie star like I had a packed schedule when I was seven like in my head of how it was going to look like I was going to drag these kids around everywhere and I was going to be a singer and and an actress and a you're going to be Angelina Jolie well the thing is that the first woman I ever remember seeing, like it, she wasn't a, a person in my life. It was on the screen and in magazines and stuff that I idolized and thought that's who I want to be when I grow up was Mae West. Ooh, and nice. I, know, I saw her like she was the ultimate woman. Like her boobs were like, she was so sexual and sensual, but so tough. I don't even remember what the movies were that I saw her in, but she was such a badass. And I was like, that's who I want to be when I grow up. Like this sexy, like for quite a while, my career goal was to be a prostitute in a Western bar. Oh, like a saloon. Yeah, Yeah. saloon. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't know that those didn't exist anymore, but that was my initially like when I was doing my Whoa. life plan that was going to be it and that's how I saw them I saw these movies of these women dressed in these gorgeous huge beautiful dresses and corsets and their hair was 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 long and beautiful but like up but wild and like yeah and they had such attitude like yes and I was like that I really it just resonated with me I was like that's who I want to be when I grow yes up. So I guess it's no wonder that I became a burlesque performer at some point because that was as close as I could get to like Mae West playing a prostitute in a saloon. But do you remember the first like woman, whether it was someone you actually knew personally or an image or whatever? Do you remember the first woman that you were like, that's a woman? Um, Shira. Really? Yeah. Well, that's a fucking woman. Yeah. Like she was never running after a man. The only man in her life was her brother. And she got to ride a Pegasus. Like, hello. Her outfit was badass. Her like crown and helmet. The boots. Yeah, the boots alone. I mean, yeah, that's that's a good one. Well, see, I'm glad. I'm really glad that. Like, that's what we need more of for cartoons and I remember I had the sleeping bag for Shira and like Shira and it was like hot pink and it had her pegasus on it I'm trying swift wind I think and it had like the rainbow and everything and my dad used to drive truck at that time and he had to sleep over somewhere and the only sleeping bag we had at that time was my Shira sleeping bag so he had that with him she was just like it would be my luck that someone would break into the truck and see me sleeping in a shira sleeping bag 
I had a Superman sleeping bag and I did not choose it. I was really embarrassed and I was going to sleepaway camp with like, I don't know if it was the YMCA or the Boys and Girls Club or something. And my mom got me this sleeping bag that she thought, and rightfully so, that she thought was very cool. And she was pretty excited. I think she got it at Zeller's and I was mortified. So I tucked it inside out so that no one could see Superman on the outside of my sleeping bag. So I slept with like the cold slippery oh, God. part and like the warm fuzzy part was on the outside. I just sent you um, photos. I don't know if you remember the cartoon, The Great Mouse Detective. Oh, are you kidding me? I have, no, my kids played it on a loop. I have it memorized. I could recite the whole movie for you. Right? Okay, well, can we talk about sexy cartoons? Oh, geez. Look at the picture that I just sent you. I, do, I, I remember it well and I see it. Isn't, like, like if I wanted to be a cartoon, I would always pick these kind of cartoons where I'm just like, yes, I want to be a can-can mouse. I, obviously, I wanted to be Jessica Rabbit, obviously. Oh, yeah. My mom, um, I remember my mom bought us that movie and we watched it once and she returned it. Because I, I know we were really young and I don't think she realized that there was a lot of violence in that movie. So speaking of sexy cartoons, I will tell you that I may have already told you this, but I will tell you that the first feeling, physical, sexual feeling I ever remember having, mm-hmm. and I don't remember how old I was. I could no idea if I was four or 15, like okay no not 15 because I was already having sex but like my very first sexual feelings I ever had I remember the feeling quite vividly and I what triggered it was I was watching tv and Bugs Bunny in drag (gasps) oh my god yes on the horse the the opera and I was so I was aroused like I physically I was aroused by it and I didn't understand what the feeling was. I liked it. Like I thought it was a cool feeling, but then for a bit, I was like obsessed. Like I was like, I want to watch the one when Bugs Bunny is a lady. And my mom's like, I can't do that. I can't just make the TV. Nope. <laughs> no, now I could watch hours of it. I'm sure. But yeah, but yeah, that's the first sexual feelings I ever remember having were for Bugs Bunny dressed in drag. I'm Aww. sure that it, I remember that one. I just could have a field day with that, but that was my my turn on. Later, it was like Matt Dillon and Christy McNichol in um, this movie called Little Darlings. And that's probably when I should have known that I was bisexual because I was torn between Mm. the lead actor and the lead actress. I was like, oh, which which one do I want more? Yeah. Um, do you remember when the first time in your life was that you felt uncomfortable because you were a girl? Like there was something gender specific that was like, oh, okay, being a girl means I have to deal with this scenario. Probably like end of elementary school, just for body wise, you know, girls getting more shape, getting boobs shaving legs, wearing deodorant, you know, like that whole thing, it just like gave me anxiety. And then it was, you know, in high school, because in elementary school, you wore your gym clothes to school, if it was your gym day, 
or you wore them underneath. But then in high school, you had to go to gym and go into the locker rooms mm-hmm. and then get changed in, a, in front of everyone. And you didn't want to be the one weird kid that would go and change in a bathroom stall. But you had to like, you would just compare yourself constantly to everybody. Like, should I have cellulite at this age? Why is my boobs not, you know, like, am I wearing the right kind of bra? Are they going to make fun of me for blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I, I've always had body issues. I think every girl or every buddy does but yeah like we're not kind to ourselves that I was being weirded out because I had inverted nipples in the beginning like they they didn't the nipples didn't poke out like they were like mm-hmm. these little and I just remember like it stressed me out so much but it was I was like 13 like who was gonna see them it didn't matter but I was just like yeah I, I felt like oh like it was stressing me out I was trying to figure out how to like fix I can't remember like I might have like confided in a friend and they told me like, oh, you need to like get your nipples erect and then they'll, they'll start to just stick out by themselves. So I'd be like (laughs) (laughs) rubbing, rubbing my nipples out, like almost like a little physio, you know, like, you know, some girls were trying to increase the size of their bust and I was like not doing the, we must, we must. I was like, just sitting there like, come on guys, come out, come on, come on guys. And that's like, as though it, crazy, like what, like what some 14 year old boy was going to have something to say about my nipples. Like, yeah. That's- but then it was so embarrassing if they noticed that you, if your nipples were showing through your shirt, I remember being mortified because it would bring on the, the wrong attention. Even though they like- could wear, walk around, they could be like on the soccer field with no shirt on, but, exactly. if, they, but if they could see our nipples or a shirt, it was like this big drama. Yeah. And I mean, I loved flirting and dating in high school and just wanting to be wanted. But then it came with the um, the label of being a slut, even if I didn't sleep with anybody. Well, that happened to me. Like I was telling you and um, Elle when she was on her episode, like that some girls decided to start telling everyone that I was a huge slut and I can imagine it going the other way and me just being so mortified that I didn't want to go to school anymore. But thank God for some weird reason, I noticed that like, it felt like maybe I had a superpower if I just pretended I was a huge, like, okay, sure. I'll pretend I'm the one sleeping with all these hot guys. (laughs) I mean, where were you when I was in school? Like just to have that power over bullies, you know? get called a slut and be like, and, you know, just to have that, that power over them. I'm just so glad that I did. Cause I really could have just been oh. really humiliated. And instead I was just like, well, I'm going to milk this then I'm going to, and I remember I just, in a weird way, I don't understand how, but it gave me confidence. Like I started walking around like a woman who's having sex. Like I just started, the sex. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I had never even like kissed a guy, but yeah. For some reason, I was like, all right, I'll play this role. And I, I just started strutting down the hallways and just acting like I was cooler than other people and like, yeah. like not consciously, but doing that, like the fake it till you make it thing. Yeah. <laughs> like the first time I faked it till I made it. Yeah. And that, then there's the also weird things. Like I remember an adult once that hadn't seen me in a long time was like, oh my goodness, like you're growing into a woman, you ha- you're growing little breasts. And it was like, Ew. and 
And I remember also the day I got my period and had that awkward conversation with my mom. Yeah. I went to the pharmacy. I bought pads. When I came home, I didn't know what the hell to do because I'd gone to some pharmacy that obviously hadn't had a customer over 70 in a long time. I mean, under 70 years old in a long, like one of those pharmacies where everything's just coated in dust. Like no one's oh, God. anything. Yeah, yeah. So I bought pads. I just grabbed, I said sanitary napkins. I grabbed it and I paid for it and I went home. Yeah. And yeah. when I got home, Megan, they were like the kind from the sixties that has like the, they're oh, super no. long. And then you're supposed, to, there was no sticky you had to put them in a belt like the, that. You oh put, my God. Yes. Which obviously I did not own because it was the eighties. So I was just like, what do I, so I'm just like praying that I don't lose them. Like I'm just cramping. Oh, so yeah. awful. Anyway. So I do this and I'm wearing my giant sli- sliding diaper and I go to the dinner table and my mom's husband, who at the time I hated with every ounce of my fucking being. Yeah. Not, not anymore but during this tumultuous teenage time of my life, of course, and he wasn't like, he was her husband. He said, congratulations, Jennifer. I heard the news. <gasps> and I was like, what, what news? Like what happened? <laughs> I totally oblivious. I cannot believe I did not murder my mom and her husband in their no sleep. It was so weird. I know Jesse's eldest cousin, when she got her period, her mom called everybody, like called her grandmother and called her aunts. And like, everybody knew that she had her period, like poor girl. But see, like, that would be fine. That would be beautiful in, in, the, in a perfect world where like a woman is actually celebrated and like, yay, now she gets to come to the like steam yurt or whatever like right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like let's let's take good care of her it's her period week everyone it's her first yeah. one yeah you celebrate but that's not at all it it's 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 still like a weird thing it's still like what's wrong with you why are you being such a bitch are you on your period you know like it's <gasps> like a, a yeah weird- I remember in high school because my girlfriend and I were supposed to go to the water slides and like look at the calendar I was like this is not gonna work like I only wear pads so I was like I'm gonna try a tampon but why tell mom because it's gonna be super embarrassing and I mean trying to read the instructions and that and the little diagrams and my mom had to go get something so I was in the car with her and I'm sitting there and it was hurting so bad and I'm like all uncomfortable and I'm like shifting and I could feel things moving and it's because I never took the applicator out. <gasps> out. So like this cardboard thing is just like, I'm not supposed to be in here. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I just remember sitting there like in the car for the longest time. And then I didn't wear a tampon in like forever. And I remember one time I was just like, I'm going to do it. Like I was in college and I went to the store. And by then, I mean how many pads and tampon brands and sizes and colors and formats do we need? I was so overwhelmed. I've stood in that aisle for the longest time. And I was glad that it was in Ontario and I lived there because no one would know me. So I could stare at the stupid aisle for the longest time, but I'm just so overwhelmed. I'm just like, (laughs) tell me like, who is a woman in real life that had a profound impact on your life? 
Hmm. Like, I can't, I, I don't know. Like, I, I can't say, like, there was no, like, real-life Shiras in my life. Like, I, I don't have any feminine, like, I can't think of any feminist. I can't think of um, anyone that was, that didn't have, like, body image issues. Like, I remember my mom always wanting to be on the, the latest diet, and she, you know, it was always, Oh God, if only I could be that skinny again, you know? And I remember my grandmother saying that a few times. My stepmother decided to go on Weight Watchers and she asked me to do it with her. Mm -hmm. I was 14. Oh. I weighed 114 pounds. And I was on Weight Watchers with my stepmom. That's healthy. And not at all realizing how wrong that was. And I'm not, I don't blame her at all. She was just caught up in that whole culture, especially yeah. like since when this has been going on, like at least since the fifties, right. That women have been like obsessed with dieting and their weight and that yeah. stuff, like if not earlier. And so, I mean, she just grew up in that same brainwashed culture, but it was just interesting that she just assumed that cause I was a teenage girl that I would do it with her. Obviously. Yeah she was raised also but it didn't occur to her that like a mm. 114 pound girl like I was my full height which is not tall I'm five foot two but 114 pounds yeah should not yeah be losing weight <laughs> and like you know in puberty and all that good stuff it's pretty weird but, yeah like I had one grandmother who drove who um she like ran the house my grandfather died in 95 he had alzheimer's so i mean she lost her husband pretty young but you know like she lived on her own you know like she was she was badass like she she would be 94 93 or 94 tomorrow wow yeah i miss my granny both my grandmothers are really strong women. They're neither of them. Well, one of them's still alive and she'll never listen to this. So I will say she's pretty mean. I love her mm-hmm. like crazy, but my other grandmother was also very mean, okay. but both of them very strong. Like my paternal grandmother um, told, like kept telling her she's Italian and she kept telling her husband that he had to marry her. And he promised her that when he achieved whatever status, he was uh, in the army Mm -hmm. and that, and he was like, when I reach this status, I promise you, I will marry you and we'll have our family and whatever. And one day a letter, he was away somewhere. I don't remember where, but one day a letter came to their actual house for him instead of to the place where he was stationed. And it was addressed to him with the title like he had, I don't, I'm not familiar. You would know this way better than I, but I don't know. Like, like the, whatever rank. Yeah, exactly. But it was addressed to the rank that he had promised <gasps> he was going to marry her at. Oh, but, grandpa. And, she, and he never told her he <gasps> achieved the rank and this like never said anything. So she got on a Greyhound bus, went to the base where he was stationed in some other state Oh my God. and showed up with the letter <gasps> and was like, Okay. Yeah. And like, just told him you're marrying me. And when my husband left, I called her for 
I can't remember what reason. And I was upset and saying like, he left. And she was like, what do you mean he left? And I was like, he left. And she's like, you have children. (laughs) I know, but he's gone. And she's like, well, tell him to come back. Like it was not even like, what are you talking about? Like, this is not a thing. Just tell the idiot to get his ass back home. Like that's how she thought. And then my maternal grandmother, opposite, but same strong lady, like had had enough of her husband's shit and left him and was like, wow. isn't." And this was a long time ago. Like this was in the, in the sixties. I don't know how early, but like it was, and and she at that point would have been in her, I don't know, not even middle age. Like she was a young woman and they had three children together. And she was like, nope, I'm done with this guy. And she never remarried. And I asked her about it. And she was like, I paid my due. Like, and I asked her, did you date, uh, have you dated other men? Cause now she's like 90. And she was just very evasive and just sort of like deflecting and not answering the question. But basically the impression I got was that she dated plenty, but had no, was not having it. Like was no reason to share a home with anyone. Like, it was just like, I'm going to live by my own rules. I don't need anyone. Buy the cow when you get the milk for free. Exactly. (laughs) My slutty grandma. That's why I was such a slut, Megan. But yeah, so my mom's mom, so maternal grandmother, she like worked like whatever shift she had I guess my grandfather was a truck driver at the time like she my mom said like she worked a lot to put like food on the table and stuff like so she was a strong lady and I don't think my grandfather was a very I don't have a lot of memories of him because he died when I was in grade five and he had Alzheimer's for a few years so he was that you weren't comfortable around him so and then my other grandmother she lived through the depression. Like her parents came from England, moved to Montreal, and then her parents and another couple decided, let's move to the country and buy a farm and become farmers. Okay. And the other couple, I guess, couldn't do it or weren't interested anymore and left. So that's where my dad is, is at that farm. And but there's just certain things that you learn. Like I always thought it was weird. My grandmother would make surprise pudding and by surprise pudding, it meant usually like a very stale donut in underneath the pudding because you (laughs) couldn't waste anything because she lived through the depression and world war two. My mom said she would continuously warm up her coffee. Like she would never just throw it out. And she said it would be like thick, like molasses. Oh yeah. I, I used to do that too. Yeah. And my, she lost her, it's, I think it's like a very sweet, but sad story, but she was engaged to someone else and he died in a lumber, like, um, like he was cutting wood in the woods and died, I guess a tree fell on him or something. And then she was at the cemetery visiting his grave and my grandfather knew him and went there too. And that's how they met. Wow. Yeah. And then when he joined, uh, when he enlisted, they, before he left, they tried to have a baby and they couldn't. So they went all the way. When he went to Halifax, they went and adopted. And then when she got back home, she realized that she was pregnant. So yeah. But my grandmother would ride her bicycle 
I'm trying to think it, it was ridiculously far, like from the farm to some base, like off the 10, what we know now, but can you imagine like in like 1940, my, my dad said she would get up in the middle of the night, tell her parents she was going and then would bike to go see my grandfather just to wow. be with him for a little bit. Oh, that's too cute. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Megan, didn't you want to talk about your math teacher? Oh, yeah. My math teacher was badass. It was funny. I was talking to my girlfriend about her the other day, and she's like, everybody was scared of her. Like, she was a big woman. Like, shoulders on her, and she'd always wear, like, these very long, like, flowy skirts and flowy tops, and she had long, 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 like, silver hair, and she would either have it half up and, like, half down, so it would, like, flow with the entire, like, look of her, or she'd have it up in a bun, but she was... She is the definition of resting bitch face. Like she would part the, like, it was like she was parting the sea in the, in the hallway. Kids just moved. Like everybody was scared of her, but I adored her. And she, I failed math in grade 10. So I had to take 10, 11 in one class in one year. And she was my teacher and she actually made sense of math for me mm. and my mom knew her because my mom used to show dogs and she used to breed bouviers and my mom I guess said if you ever have like a runt we'd like to have one and so we had Roxy and she was great and I remember going to high school one day like the day after my dad had to put Roxy down and I showed up to math class and I don't even know if I was in her math class that day but I went and I started like I told her and we both sat there and we cried yeah that's so sweet yeah like just certain teachers that made a difference like my art teacher too Miss Dyer I would challenge her on things like she knew I wanted to go into fashion design. So she's like, you need to know how to draw models that are like nine heads high. And I'm just like, but no one's built like that. And she's like, I know, but that's what the industry you're going to have to learn nine heads high. And I'm like, but no one has legs up to the freaking neck. And she's like, it doesn't matter. And I'm just like, I want fat models. And she's like, <laughs> <laughs> but she was just like, she's like, I get it. I get it. But, you know, but she was, it was fun. I liked her too. She Aww. made, she made learning fun she made art fun somebody who a woman who had a great impact on me in my life is a woman whose name was well I'm sure her name still is Joanne but uh <laughs> I'm used to spend a lot of time with this person and she was actually a neighbor and I met her through another friend and I was in such awe of her because the rest of us were in just a constant state of crisis and always having these big dramas and all kinds of stuff. And she was so calm about things. And I would tell her like, oh, this person's making me so angry or they're making me feel small or whatever. And even then she would be like, no one has the power to make you feel anything. And it was just such a different perspective at the time because like I said, we were all in our thirties, like partying and being wild and crazy and just like, so immersed in our social lives and stuff like that. So we really didn't have that maturity yet. And she was so calm. And one of the things she did that I just thought was amazing. Like I was just blown away by her and wanted, I just, I was like, I'm striving to have this level of maturity and, and, um, 
self-assurance is that there was someone in her life that she just didn't want in her life anymore. And she told me like that she told them that she just wasn't going to be their friend anymore. And I was like, what? Like how? And she was just like, well, they just bring too much like intense energy into my my life. And I'm, I just told them that. And I was like, you told them, you told them that. And she was, yeah. And she was like, well, yeah, I just said like, look, I, I don't, I'm not going to just avoid you and and not answer your calls. I'm just telling you, like, I'm not going to be your friend anymore. And I wish you all the best, but I don't want to be a part of this, like the drama. It's too much for me. And she was so calm about it. And I was like, I really want to be like this. And like, she was so honest with people, you know, she just told them, you know, what she really felt. Mm. And it was never, there was never an apology and it wasn't mean, you know, it wasn't like, well, you're, you have toxic energy. It was just like, I, yeah, I can't have this. Yeah. We don't gel. Like it's just not working. And I just really admired that about her. And then, uh, maybe like five years ago or something, I went to message her on Facebook and I saw we weren't friends anymore. And just you know being me and knowing that I'm irresistible and no one would not want to be friends with me I messaged her without thinking yeah and I said how weird I somehow we got unfriended I guess Facebook whatever anyways I was just wondering what was the name of that book or whatever and she wrote back Facebook didn't unfriend us I unfriended you because (sighs) and then she told me why I was really confused by it. It wasn't necessarily something that I was doing. It was, again, it was like an energy thing. It was like this thing about your energy. I don't, I don't have room for that in my life right now. Whatever. I'm trying to be careful because I don't want to give away personal information about her because I respect her privacy. But like, I was like, okay. And I was mortified, but I, it was a very interesting exercise for me because I was like, well, this is what you love about her. <laughs> like, this is yeah. what you, you, this is what you admire about her. Like, this yeah. is what you aspired to be able to do in life. And <laughs> guess what? Like, you're not untouchable and you're not so amazing. That So I was just like, wow, that, that was really interesting. And then two years later, she sent me a message and said, Hey, what was the name of that comedy club that you took me to that time? I have a friend coming into town that loves comedy and I want to take her there. And I was like, your energy is- <laughs> you're an asshole like, okay. I thought you were, all these years yeah. you were so you were badass. <laughs> exactly I'm like you shithead you can't break up with me like our friendship and then like uh, I was oh no annoyed. anyway whatever it's fine she's probably it very just, happy it <laughs> made me think of like because I was like always a little weird and very shy and obviously had mental health issues when I was younger, but I was probably just labeled as weird. And so I was bullied like from kindergarten all the way to high school, like really? all through high school. Oh yeah. 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 And I remember my mom going to bat for me all the time. Like, I mean, it was super sweet. Right. But I mean, slightly mortified at the same time where she's just like, my kids being bullied, things need to happen, but I was getting bullied all the time. Like I would come home at least once a week crying at the same time mom's also part of the pta you know and like add every big sale and in with you know and it's just like you're not helping the situation but what i (laughs) loved about it is that she never 
you know, it was never questioned or like put on me going, well, do you think it's because you're dressing like this? Or do you think it's because, you know, you know, like she never made like, it was never my fault why I was being mm. bullied, you know? Yeah. And she wasn't saying like, well, maybe if you conformed more than that. Yeah. If you, if you learned how to blend in or if you were so needy or, you know, like that, I mean, that, I think that just takes a lot of strength to, to not just be suck it up princess kind of thing. I actually also wanted to say that my that I also very much um, admire my mom because she is well actually she had me at the same age as I was when I had my first daughter so she was also 21 so she's now in her 70s and even though she raised four kids and worked a lot and um, you know had a million other things going on in her life she also like founded a community newspaper and started a community theater group and wrote and produced musical plays and has written hundreds and hundreds of songs and stories. And even now she still teaches music. And um, something that's super cool about her is that she really adapts to the things that are going on around her. Like it'll be like, well, when she lived in Boston, she moved to Boston, not in Boston proper, but like in like a suburb. And there was not really a place to go play music with other people, like to, to just go hang out and, and jam like an open mic night or a coffee house or something. You had to go to a different area to do that. So she was meeting musicians and performers and stuff like that bit by bit and like kind of building this cool community, but didn't actually have a place to go play music with these people. So she just decided to have it in her house. So she started this salon Sunday and basically, I I don't know, like say the first Sunday of every month, her house was just open all day and musicians all would just come and bring like snacks and, you know, beverages and whatever. And they would just jam. That's amazing. And her house would be full of musicians, like talking and playing music and singing and teaching each other songs and all this cool stuff. And when she was teaching music, which she still does, uh, now she's in New Jersey, but um, she kept getting these kids that were autistic or on the spectrum that other people wouldn't teach. Mm-hmm. And so she started trying, she knew quite a bit about about it already. One of my nephews is, is uh, on the spectrum and she did quite a bit of research. So she started thinking about him and like, how would he react to stuff? And so she kept reading up on stuff and started creating her own method of how to teach these kids. But then like word started to get out more and more. And I was like, oh, that's the woman who teaches autistic kids. <laughs> so she's just like, instead of being like, no, I'm not. Like she was like, I'm going to create this. And she made a business out of it and she's really good at it. And she also teaches people who are not autistic, but she teaches voc- you know, vocals and, and acting and piano but I just think it's so cool that she was like okay I'm getting these students that have these challenges that other people won't teach yeah and I'm not closing the door on these kids like they if they want to learn like if if it's their parents saying I want him to learn my mom would be like if he doesn't want to do it I'm not doing this right you know like one kid that kept biting her but um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, but like but the kids, a pretty clear sign <laughs> yeah 
but the kids who wanted to learn, but just were having such intense challenges about it, but were determined to keep coming back and seeing her. She was, she was like, I'm going to figure out a way to teach these kids. And I think that that's really admirable and, and pretty amazing. And maybe to a fault in the same way that I have this, she's just never finished. Like she's always like, like she's created projects she wants to retire from, but not a life that she wants to retire from. Like she never wants, she's never going to be like, okay, I'm done doing. I'm retired now. Yeah. I'm not an artist anymore. I'm not going to do music anymore. I'm not going to write plays or stories or songs anymore. Like she has created for herself a life that she loves and so much that she doesn't want to retire from that. And I a hundred percent aspire to that. Mm. So my dream is that one day I will just be doing stuff that I'm really passionate about so that I don't have to count down the days till I can stop working. Well, you're pretty badass, Jen. You've gone through a lot. You've survived it. Still surviving. (laughs) Hanging on by threads. And I mean, you created three beautiful little spawns. Did you see my story today of, of Anika? I saw that she posted a video. Yeah, she's in a music video for this band in New Brunswick. Call me Jackie. So I'm obsessed with your daughter. Um, I my am baby. also obsessed with all of my daughters, but th- that's probably something I should talk to my therapist about. But I mean, I Annika's my favorite. Don't tell the other ones. I don't even know if I've met her. <laughs> you don't know them, <laughs> do you? I don't think I've ever... I don't know if I met any of your other daughters. All three of my daughters are badass and amazing, and I'm so proud of them. And also, I think that you're an amazing inspiration, Megan Redmile. You are so talented, and you also never stop. Like, you're always having a new idea for something amazing and creative that you want to try, and you just do it. Like, I never hear you say, oh, it would be cool if... Like, it would be cool if I, you, I, I don't get calls where you're like, wouldn't it be cool if I could write a book about blah, blah? Or wouldn't it be cool if I could write a, a workbook about anxiety? Or wouldn't it be cool? Like, you know, you don't do that. It's like, oh, hey, guess what I'm doing? Like, yeah, I was sitting here the other day thinking, like, I would really like to do this thing. So I'm doing it. You're the same way, though. Well, I also admire myself quite a bit. Well, you should. <laughs> I'm very lucky to have you as a friend. I am so lucky to have you. I wouldn't have gotten through a lot without you. Oh my God, Megan. If I had to spend the last year without you, like if you were at a silent retreat for the last year, you would have got home today and I, you would have been like, where's Jen? And everyone would be like, yeah, we had to lock her up. Yeah. (laughs) She's at the Douglas hospital now. She's not well. She's not well. I'm so grateful for you. I really want to see you in person so bad and give you a hug. Like the last time that we were able to hang out was at your birthday in August. Yeah. And even then it was weird. It was at a distance. I didn't even get a hug. I know. I know. (sighs) Soon, right? Soon. Yes. Whatever. You know what I don't understand is, and this has nothing to do with womanhood, but I just don't know why there's not a hazmat suit that we're all allowed to wear and hug each other in. Like, can someone get on it already? Or can we just get those big inflatable um, balls? 
you know, that people like can run in like little hamster balls. How do you hug each other in those? Well, at least you could bounce. You could have feel the, the impact of the other person's bubble on your bubble. Yes. But then who drives you to the emergency when you get your concussion? Good question. What about like in Seinfeld with bubble boy? Didn't he have arms? (laughs) We're getting weird now. I guess we should wrap this up. Yeah, because you're going to have to edit this. (laughs) (laughs) That is also true. Okay, yeah, actually, good night. Bye. (laughs) I love you. I love you. (laughs) Thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps us out. It makes us more visible to other people who don't know that we're out there, and it makes our community that much bigger, which is great. If you would like more detailed show notes, you can go to our website, we'recrazycreative.com. And if you want to leave us a voicemail, which would be super fun and cool, you can go to anchor.fm slash we'recrazycreative. We'd love to hear from you. And maybe we'll even play your message on one of our upcoming episodes. Speaking of hearing from you, you can also follow us on Instagram at we'recrazycreativepodcast. You can find me on Instagram at jenniferjunechapman. And on my website, jenniferjunechapman.com. For all things vegan, I'm on Instagram, underscore sweetvegan underscore, and on the World Wide Web at sweetvegan.net. How about you, Megan? You can find me on Instagram at author.m.redmile or on Facebook, author Megan Redmile. And you can visit my website at meganredmile.com. And you can also find my books on Amazon.